I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. This is David. This is your new episode of Base Layer. I'm really happy I have Tim Ogilvy back with me, CEO at Staked. Tim was one of the, I think, one of the first guests back probably almost two years ago on the show. Tim, how are you? I'm doing great. It's, it's great to be back. Yes. And so it has been a little while before the last time we had you on. So we'll catch up with you a bit on kind of how you got into this world very quickly. But Staked, for those that don't know, operates the most secure, performant, and cost-effective block production nodes for decentralized proof-of-stake protocols on behalf of institutional investors. We're going to talk all about that. We're also going to talk about ETH2 and what the importance of that is to your operations there. But uh, as I mentioned before, because it's been a while and you have a great background, and I think it's worth bringing that back up again, how did you get into this world? What did you do before? And then we're going to talk all about Staked and about ETH2 and everything else. Sure. Great. Uh, so I've been an entrepreneur for over 20 years. I, I spent the first 10 years of my career in, during the, the sort of dot-com bubble and ensuing years helping start and, and build and operate technology businesses all across the internet spectrum, consumer internet, uh, ad technology. Did that for about 10 years. Um built a couple successful businesses for other people. And then the last 10 years I've been doing for myself. Uh, and, and one of the tactics as I was looking for uh, a new opportunity three or four years ago is I've always kind of followed the money. And so I've looked at where are venture capitalists spending their time and money. And a lot of it was going into crypto. And specifically in crypto, every hot project was um, proof of stake. And so it looked like there was this big shift that was going to happen from proof of work to proof of stake, certainly among the hot VC-backed projects. And, um, you know, that, that looked to us to be both a, a opportunity because waves like that tend to signal opportunities, as well as proof of stake offers this new opportunity for investors, which is that their crypto is going from an unproductive asset that you basically stick under the mattress to something that can actually earn a yield uh, through participation in the, the network security. So that was kind of the genesis of state. We core belief is that everyone's going to want to earn that yield. And basically nobody's going to want to do the grunt work that we do to run these nodes in a secure and reliable way. So um, that's how the business got started. Fast forward a couple of years and, and we're now pretty clearly the leading provider of, of this for institutions up and down the map, leading crypto funds, uh, exchanges, custodians all rely on us to run the infrastructure that allows people to earn yield on their proof of stake assets. 
Well, there's a lot to unpack there. And of course, again, you are. Yeah, I went for a while. Yeah, there's there's a lot there, but that's good. Um, Again, because a lot of people who listen to the show, obviously, family offices, institutional investors, those of, of who are, you know, in many ways participating already with staked, but others that are just learning about you, this yield component and with staking. And I think it would be great. You know, I always try to come up with analogies and metaphors and ways for people to kind of digest what is being done here. I've equated this to similarities of fixed income. You know, people have been saying that Bitcoin is going to eat the $9 trillion, you know, kind of gold market. I have suggested that Ethereum and now obviously with proof of stake models that we've seen the emergence of DeFi, that it's going to eat the $100 trillion fixed income market. What do you think about that? I think it's a great analogy. You know, I think if you look at the emergence of government bonds, they were really a mechanism to fund a security budget, right? Largely military operations um, at critical times. And so if you look at, at specifically where is this yield coming from? It is the security budget for things like Ethereum. And so the, the protocol, Ethereum itself, is allocating budget to ensure that the network is secure and reliable. And so I think as, as people unpack that and get more familiar with, with the assets, they realize this is a yield opportunity and you've got trillions of dollars of negatively yielding bonds out there. Um, people can put them into assets that have a productive yield that looks a whole lot more favorable. Mm -hmm. And speaking of that, when we'll obviously put show notes on here to drive people to uh, the site, but one of the first parts of the site is your section on yields. And so you can see when you go, everyone who's listening, if you're listening right now, you can actually go to staked.us slash yields, and you will see what we're talking about here, ETH 2.0, which we're going to talk about shortly. A nominal yield of 15.6%. I don't think you can get that in the fixed income market right now, even if you're going into high yield junk bond status. Um, Polkadot has about 13.8% nominal yield. Um, so as we're alluding to, you know, as more of the market wakes up to this, you know, this is something that you're not getting in traditional fixed income anymore. You haven't for a while. And especially uh, with yields compressing further and further, this is why a lot of people are getting very interested in this. So, Tim, I'd love to hear, uh, before we get into the yield to chat, you also have a component that you released about a, I'd say almost a year ago, maybe a little bit less, RoboAdvisor. And so with this, you have the ability to effectively Ray is a system of smart contracts that optimize yield by automatically allocating assets to the highest yielding fixed income opportunities. So in the world that we're seeing right now with more of the robo-advising, the Robin Hoods of the world, things that are more programmatic, talk to us about how you guys came up with robo-advisor with Ray, the robo-advisor for yield, and how does it work for someone who's coming into this world? Sure. So we we start with sort of, you know, how does our customer look at the world? And, and you know, we work with people who hold crypto assets and want to, they, they generally have a longer time horizon and they want to earn a yield available. And so we started with staking. And so any proof of stake asset, um, we can help them earn a yield on. And, and then we started recognizing that uh, particularly in Ethereum 
world. So Ethereum and the the ERC twenty stable coins, which are U.S. dollar tracked. Um, there were a lot of other yield earning opportunities. You could you could deposit your assets in Compound or Aave or DYDX, for example, so that someone else could borrow them and they would pay you a an interest rate. And in some cases, those interest rates exceed or uh, the staking yields. And so we wanted our customers to be able to take advantage of that. And our general thinking when we built Ray was people don't want to be tracking what's the current yield on Compound or Aave or depositing my assets into Uniswap. What they want is one place to put their assets that looks at the set of, of relatively safe, you know, tried and true things in DeFi, and that's a relatively safe term, but uh, and puts them in whatever yields the highest at any given time. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's exactly what Ray does. Uh, it's a set of smart contracts. It's been around for a year, works really well. We continue to expand the uh, set of opportunities that Ray can evaluate. So we're just uh, pushing out depositing in the Uniswap, for example, so that you can um, get the yields of being a liquidity provider there. And, um, you know, that's been a, that's been a popular offering as, as DeFi has exploded. Right. And again, because I want people to bridge this between this world of fixed income that they're normally used to and what's happening here, what type of locks are there with these types of kind of contracts, if you will, these types of obligations, what type of locks are there with staking? Um, so staking tends to have a lockup that can be anywhere between uh, three days and call it 28 days. Uh, Ethereum 2 is a little bit of a, a outlier in that it's currently locked for uh, until they reach phase one, which is about mm-hmm. 18 months. But but most staking assets and Ethereum 2, once it reaches phase one, is uh, will be there right. in terms of uh, a shorter time horizon. Right. Our, so again, our Ray smart contracts are all fully liquid and that they they have no lockup at all. So again, this is why I'm hitting on this. I already obviously knew the answer to that, but that is really important. <laughs> you know, again, a very big differential. You've got yield. You have more liquidity than you normally would with a bond. Um, you have pretty good yield and you obviously have pretty good liquidity. And, you know, whereas obviously with some of the treasuries, you have, you know, obviously liquidity there, but you have a pretty good amount of yield and you have a pretty good amount of liquidity. Another important part of this is being non-custodial. So staking is a non-custodial process whereby stakeholders are able to delegate their tokens to validators while retaining control of their private keys Staked does not custody customer holdings, ensuring that it is unlikely event of a hack. Customer funds are never at risk of being stolen. This is important. Talk to us about why this is so important. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, the um, the investors we work with all care deeply about security, as, as you should. And, um, you know, the the things we do don't require your handing over your assets to us. And so if you think about, you know, traditional world, in a lot of cases, you send money to someone who promises to earn a yield. And sometimes that's a terrific opportunity. Uh, And sometimes that's, you know, they're doing things with your money that you don't actually expect. And in the case of stake, that's not, that's not the way it works. Everything we do 
is transparently on the blockchain and your assets remain safely wherever they are, whether that's with a custodian, whether that's in self-custody as a lot of our customers do, or on an exchange that, that we're working with. The assets are never with staked, they're never at, at risk, and they're never staked is never it has an opportunity to do something else or take more risk as you know with a traditional counterparty, you you have some risk and you have to trust that person. With staked, all you have to do is trust that we're going to do our job reliably and securely, uh, and everything is out there very cleanly. So let's talk about the 800-pound gorilla in the room, ETH2. And so after months and months and years, effectively, Ethereum has moved from proof-of-work or is moving from proof-of-work to proof-of-stake. Proof-of-work for those that are, again, learning about this. Proof-of-work is what Bitcoin uses. You have machinery, you have energy costs, and effectively, it's more industrial, in my opinion. Proof-of-stake is not. And so talk to us about the importance of this and what Staked is doing in reference to all the work that Ethereum is doing with ETH2. Sure. So, so ETH, Ethereum has finally made the first phase of its transition. They call it phase zero, uh, but it, it really starts the transition from proof of work to proof of stake. You know, one way I think about it is um, you have this security budget in proof of work and, and today that security budget uh, gets paid out billions of dollars annually, gets paid out to people who are external to the market. So in, in the Bitcoin and Ethereum proof of work, those are miners who receive payments for their services. ETH2 pays the stakers directly. So the people who own ETH2 are the ones who receive the staking rewards and, and the rewards for the security budget. And so I think, you know, broadly, there's a ton of excitement around the second largest crypto asset converting to proof of stake. Uh, Staked was the single largest validator participating. So we've got a, a large portion of the validators running, both because we're a trusted brand and, you know, our relationships with large ETH holders. Uh, so what that means is last week was an incredibly busy week while we spun up thousands and thousands of validators all across the globe. We run everything decentralized so that the network can be secure. And, um, you know, we're working with holders of Ethereum to figure out, do I want to participate in, in ETH2 staking kind of all day, every day? It's been a big event in, in the staking universe. And so let's talk about kind of the portfolio of staking opportunities on staked. I believe there's roughly about 20 that you currently offer right now. Is that around that? Is that um, <clears throat> we offer we offer more than 30. 30. I would say, you know, the big crypto assets, 10 to 20 is, is kind of what you have. We also work with a lot of venture funds that have smaller assets. So, so the number is large, but the ones you would think about are probably 10 or 20. And so for Q420, I also see that there's a list of ones that are coming, such as Chainlink. Talk to us about the process to get onboarded with new staking protocols. Sure. So we work with, um, you know, we work with all the big protocols and, and we, as they make the, as they make plans to transition, as in Chainlink's case, where they're going to transition to a staking model. Uh, we work with the team already where we run one of the nodes that feeds into their decentralized oracles. Um, 
but you know, big releases for next year will be things like Chainlink, Definity, and we work with the teams to help understand when they're going to launch. We run the software internally for months ahead of time, sometimes over a year, to ensure that it works reliably and that we know what we're doing in terms of how to respond to any urgent issues. And then, and then typically launch because of all that preparation. Typically, launch is kind of a non-event in that. It, uh, it launches very smoothly because we've all been practicing for some time. Now, people are going to go to and the so website. There are, a lot of, uh, there are a lot of launches. I think Chainlink is probably... Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. Go ahead, Tim. I, I was going to say, I think, I think Chainlink, which originally thought they were going to be a Q4 event, is probably Q1 of, of next year. But um, there's a lot of activity. Got it. And so people are going to look at the site. Again, we're going to point them to it so they can take a look. And on the yield section, if they scroll all the way down, they're going to see Libra. And so I just want to get your thoughts on this. Libra has recently changed to Diem. Um, what's, uh, what are they going to see with that? What are they going to, what's going on with that project? So that's a unique project. Um, I, you know, we, we run infrastructure for leading investors and participants in the category. And so Libra has been uh, a long time in the works, but but at its core is a group of foundational foundation members who represent the uh, initial group that will launch Libra. And one of the responsibilities of a foundation member is to run a node that makes up the decentralized network. And so Staked works with uh, foundation members to help them run the technology so that their nodes are working and operational. Um, you know, I, I, there's been a ton of news around Libra, now DM, uh, in terms of when it will launch, what it's going to look like. And I think some of that is not entirely clear to us as just a technology operator, but also is, is a little bit in the works. Uh, but I do think you're going to see, you know, a 2021 launch that will probably look a little bit stripped back versus the initial uh, sort of broader spectrum, but will probably look a lot more like a, a more traditional stable coin. Probably the closest analog would be something like USDC, where it's backed by uh, specific reserve dollars and is a is a, a stable coin on a, on a network. So you've been an entrepreneur for decades. You've obviously now been an integral part of this growth of the asset class uh, for the last few years with staked. What are you projecting? What are you thinking 2021 is going to bring us 2020? Obviously, even during the most difficult times in modern society with a global pandemic has ushered in new re re refreshed interest in what is being built in this asset class with decentralized finance being at the very tip of things. And now obviously with people exploring Bitcoin as a purpose to potentially protect their assets from inflationary defects. What do you think 2021 is going to see or bring to us? What are you thinking about it? How you, how are you thinking about it for the next, uh, the next six to 12 months? You know, I think, um, it feels like we're on the cusp of a pretty big year. And that's easy to say, we'll see what happens. But um, when I started talking to people in crypto three years ago, I am not a you know born and bred crypto guy. I'm an entrepreneur that, that was looking at a variety of different things and then got really intrigued by crypto. 
three years ago, two years ago, when when the ICO boom was happening, people didn't really talk about you know Bitcoin as a as a fixed supply asset that was a real great hedge against inflation. That was sort of like an insider secret. You had a lot of people that were really talking about sort of get rich quick and and things like that. I think the thing I like to see is that this this core macro thesis is stronger than ever in terms of like Bitcoin as a store of value is a terrific option to add into a diversified portfolio with a particular emphasis on uh, as a replacement for gold, it looks a whole lot more attractive. And, and I think, you know, that draws people in. And then you start to look at things like Ethereum, which has a lot of those same characteristics, but actually is a productive asset in that it, it actually generates a yield in addition to the um, supply constraints. And, and I think things like Ethereum then draw you in, all the activity that's happening in DeFi, is really exciting. And then you look at things like Polkadot and Cosmos, which allow a lot of cross-chain activity so that you don't have these siloed cryptocurrencies, but actually things that are interacting and um, funds can effectively move from one crypto asset to another in a within the crypto ecosystem. I think that progressively is going to draw people in over the course of, of the next couple of years. And I think it bodes really well for crypto overall. I, I'm not a day-to-day trader or, or price speculator, but it feels like the tailwinds associated with crypto have sort of all lined up that the 2021 and beyond feels like it's going to be a very big year. I want to end it on that because that is a very concise and a very positive sentiment, which I share as well, too. And it's not just pie in the sky. There's, as Tim alluded to, there's a lot of reasons why we are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, if you say it, if you if you can say it and analogize it that way. You know, there are things, you know, especially in a new administration that's coming, we have potentially a head of the SEC who is very pro uh, Bitcoin and digital assets. We have Someone who's at the head of the Office of the Controller, OCC, Brian Brooks, who is also working to do a lot of things positively. You have the head of the CFTC that has opined about Ethereum in a very positive way lately. So from a regulatory standpoint, you know, you have a lot of things that are pointing green, positive. And then obviously, as Tim alluded to, you have sentiment drivers that were not there in 2017 that have morphosized themselves and have gotten to this point where you have some of the most respected investors in the world who are actually taking this quite seriously now. So Tim, thank you for everything that you're doing. You guys are a great project. Well, obviously, as I said, put show notes in there so everyone can take a look at what Staked is doing. And like we have, we'll hopefully have you on in a few months, maybe at the end of next year and do a year up catch up again and see how things are shaking out. But thank you and good luck everything for 2021. Terrific. Thanks for having me on, David. Thanks for listening in to Layer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets.
This podcast is presented by Blockworks Group, one of the best digital asset event and media production companies that I know of. For exclusive content and events that provide insight into digital assets, visit them at blockworksgroup.io. You won't be disappointed.